Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. chapter 4 and verse number 6 and then we are going to read one text from 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 11 Hosea chapter 4 verse number 6 my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God I will also forget thy children. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Amen. Somebody look at your neighbor right now and say, I am not ignorant. Doesn't matter what your wife thinks about you, you are not ignorant. My father and his brother, one of his younger brothers, Paul, was in a conversation one day. They were arguing about something. And uh, his younger brother said to him, I'm not as stupid as I look. And my dad said, son, there ain't no way you could be. (laughs) My subject today is, do I look stupid? Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your people. This is a great people. They are great because they belong to you, Lord. I pray that you help me to speak your word today, Father. I pray that you give me continuity of thought and speech. Let your word have free course today, and we will not fail to give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Incredible statement in Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6 where um, the prophet says that God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He said, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will reject thee. So God's, God's criteria for accepting his people or even rejecting his people is based upon whether or not they accept or reject his knowledge. He said, seeing you have forgotten the law of thy God, he said, I will forget your children. How important it is for God's people to remember his law, to remember his word, to have the word of God in preeminence in their life. Exodus 31 The writer said, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. And of course, as Pentecostals, we are, uh, we get all excited about being filled with the Spirit. But in this text, they were filled with the Spirit in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. They were filled with the Spirit so that they could effectively build the work, build the house, build the kingdom of God. God wants us to be filled with his spirit to do more than just simply talk in tongues. He wants us to be filled with his spirit in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge. There is a difference between 
knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. They are not the same thing. Knowledge is information. Rather, information received. So anytime you receive knowledge, um, anytime you receive information, rather, you are gathering and gaining knowledge. When somebody wrote 123 ABC on a piece of paper for the very first time and you gathered that information, you gained knowledge. It's information received. However, understanding is the ability to categorize knowledge, to put knowledge in its proper category or proper place. So that understanding is the ability to look at the ABC and say that's alphabet. Look at the one, two, three and say those are numbers. So uh, knowledge is information received. Understanding is information categorized. However, wisdom is the application of understanding. Wisdom can take ABCs and write words and sentences and paragraphs Wisdom can take the numbers, one, two, three, so forth and so on, and do math, do all kinds of mathematical formulas. Wisdom is the ability to apply understanding. It is the ability to apply the information that we have received and properly categorized. However, it must all begin with knowledge if you do not have knowledge then you will never get understanding and if you do not gain understanding then you will never be able to apply it with wisdom our God brothers and sisters is a God of knowledge First Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 3 said, Talk no more exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him actions are weighed. We serve a God of knowledge. And if we are going to serve a God of knowledge, we must be a people of knowledge. Because God will always demand that we serve him on his terms. First Peter 1.16 says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. The only way to serve a holy God is for him to have a holy people. And so to serve a God of knowledge, we must be a people of knowledge. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. However, Jesus adds to that in Matthew 22 and verse number 37 that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. And if we are going to serve God fully, we must serve him with our minds. It's easy for some people to get emotional with God. They can dance or cry at the drop of a beat in church. And they, it's easy for them to get emotional with God. But many times after they have shouted and after they have cried on Sunday morning and Sunday night, when they wake up on Monday morning, they still don't have any victory. 
Because we have to do more than just serve God with our heart, with our emotions. We have to serve God with our minds. There has to be something that happens in our minds that gives us the ability that when we wake up on Monday morning that there is still a steadfastness in our spirit to serve and to please God. Proverbs 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of you are the only... Oh, they got it up there. That's why. I was fixing to say, you are the only church that, that has ever gotten it right because I usually set people up because the verse we're most familiar with is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> but this verse says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Oh, hallelujah. Proverbs one twenty nine. for they hated knowledge. And did not choose the fear of the Lord. So if you fear the Lord, you will love knowledge. If you fear the Lord, you will love knowledge. Knowledge is encouraged all throughout your Bible. Proverbs 10, 14. Wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of fools is near destruction. Why do wise men lay up knowledge? Why wouldn't wise men lay up wisdom? Why wouldn't wise men want more wisdom? Why would wise men lay up knowledge? Because wise men know that the only way to increase in wisdom is you've got to increase in knowledge. It's got to start with knowledge, become understanding, and then be lived out as wisdom. Wise men will always lay up knowledge. Proverbs 12 and verse number 1, Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof um, is prudish. So if you love knowledge, there is something else that you also have to love. You also have to love instruction. If you love knowledge, you also have to love instruction because instruction is the vehicle by which knowledge is imparted into our lives. How many knows that person that likes to know everything but don't want to be told anything? But if you love knowledge, you must also love instruction. But how many knows what the kingdom method of instruction is? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for what? Instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Is there anybody in the room today that's glad you got a pastor and a bishop that has the skills and the ability to instruct you in the word of God. If you love knowledge, you are going to have to love instruction. The preaching of the word of God is going to be what's going to produce the knowledge in your life that you need. But after you get the knowledge, brothers and sisters, you have a responsibility that in all that getting to get understanding and to turn that understanding into wisdom. There are different kinds of knowledge. Second Chronicles 30 and verse 22, Hezekiah spake comfortably unto all the Levites that taught the good knowledge of the Lord. But Job 15 and 2 said, should a wise man utter vain knowledge? So not only is there good knowledge, but there is also vain 
knowledge. Knowledge that does not amount to anything. I once worked with a man in St. Louis who proud who heralded himself proudly as the king of useless information. It's what we call in Louisiana knowing a lot about nothing. But there is the good knowledge of the Lord, and that is the knowledge that we should all be seeking after. Our second text said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The word ignorant is ganeo, and it gives us, Strong's and Thayer's gives us three ways that we can be ignorant. Number one, through lack of information. You are ignorant of it because you simply have never received the information is the first way to be ignorant. But I assure you today that if any of you in this room are ignorant of the things of God or ignorant of Satan's devices, it is because you have not it is not because you have not received the information between your bishop and your pastor and local ministries and ministries that you have come through and speak here. If you have been in church, amen, for any length of time at all, God, through his word, has made the information available to you. So if you are ignorant, it is not for lack of information. The second way it says that we can be ignorant is through lack of intelligence. That is, the information was made available but you did not have the mental capacity uh, to be able to receive and process it nobody pointed anybody in the room today because there's nobody here that fits that category everybody in this room is smart everybody in this room is intelligent you know how i know that you are intelligent enough to get god's word proverbs 4:22 says my people is foolish and they have not known me they are sottish children they have none understanding he said they are wise to do evil but to do good they have no knowledge you know why I know you're smart enough to do it because you were smart enough to do sin you were smart enough amen to do stupid stuff and if you were smart enough to do that then you are smart enough to get a hold of the word of God when it is preached so if you do not have the information if you do not have the knowledge it is not because you lack intelligence the third way to be ignorant according to Strong's is to ignore through disinclination. That means the information was made available to you. You had the mental capacity to receive it, but you chose to ignore the word of God. If any of us in this room today are ignorant of Satan's devices, it is not because the information was not available. It is not because we did not have the capacity to understand and to receive it. It is because for whatever reason we chose to ignore the word of God. It is what 2 Timothy 3.7 called ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You have heard it over and over and over again yet somehow you have not been, been able to grasp it because your heart did not hear your, your ears did not give attendance to the word of God no wonder the writer said therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip and he goes on to say in verse number 3 how shall we escape, escape if we what neglect so great a salvation. 
Oh, hallelujah. I don't want to neglect it. I do not want to be that person who is ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. The danger of a lack of knowledge is my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It is not true that ignorance is bliss and what you don't know will not hurt you. I'm here to preach to you today that in the kingdom of God, what you don't know will destroy you. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Oh, you have to hear this. Proverbs 11 and verse 9. A hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge the just shall be delivered. Notice one verse says, if you lack knowledge, you will be destroyed. But the other verse says, if you possess knowledge, you will be delivered. So that the only difference between those who are destroyed and those who are delivered is the knowledge that they possess. It's what they know. Oh, hallelujah. You will not find in your Bible anywhere where God ever gives credit to your enemy or to their weapons or to your opposition as a reason for your destruction. The only thing God ever says will destroy his people is a lack of knowledge. He never says my people are destroyed because their enemies are too big. Their enemies are too powerful. Their weapons are too strong. He said, if you lack knowledge, you will be destroyed. But if you possess knowledge, you will be delivered. All right, I'm to my message now. I was just setting you up, laying the foundation. (laughs) Hopefully my message won't be too much longer than the foundation. I'm here to preach to you today that your enemy is not too big for you. If your knowledge is in the right place. A cubit is about 18 inches. A span is about a half a cubit or nine inches. The Bible tells us in First Chronicles chapter 11 and verse number 23 that there was a man that slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high. And in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. And he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. 18 times 5 is 90 inches. 90 inches divided by the 12 inches in a foot is 7.5 feet tall. This child of God went down to a seven and a half foot tall enemy. With a spear like a weaver's beam, whatever that is. All he had was a staff. He was under-equipped. He was undersized. But he went down and he took that spear away from his enemy. And he slew him with his own spear. 1 Samuel 17, 4. There was a man by the name of Goliath whose height was six cubits and a span. When you do the math, that's 9.75 feet tall. In other words, the guy is almost 10 feet tall. But brothers and sisters, there was a day when a young boy of ruddy complexion 
Historians say maybe 13-ish years old when he went out on the battlefield. Amen. He was of ruddish complexion complexion he was fair complected had curly hair looked like opie from the andy griffith show went out on a battlefield to face a giant that had been a man of war since before David had even been born. But David said, I come to you not with spear, shield, and sword like you come to me, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the gods of the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. You see, it ain't how big you are. It ain't how well equipped you are. It's what and who you know that gives Gives you the advantage in the battle against your enemy. You got to love it when you read the text. The Bible says that when David released that stone, that it sunk into the giant's forehead. If it would have hit the giant anywhere else, it would have bounced off. He had, he had, uh, amen, an uh, uh, armor bearer that went before him with a shield. He was covered, uh, amen, in armor from head to toe. Amen. If it would have hit him anywhere else, it would have just bounced off. But when it hit him in his head, the Bible said it sunk into his forehead because it hit him at the only place that was empty. You see, it ain't because he had bigger biceps than the giant. He had bigger knowledge than the giant. He had an understanding and a revelation and a knowledge of something that the giant did not have. You see, it's not a battle of weapons. It is a battle of revelation. It is a battle of knowledge. It is what you know that will deliver you in the battle. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the giants. In Deuteronomy 3 and verse 11, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabath of the children of Amnon? Nine cubits was the length thereof. And four cubits was the breadth of it after the cubit of a man. Nine cubits is 13 and a half feet long. We had one seven and a half. We had one 9.75. But we have a man who needs a bed that's 13 and a half feet long. Let's give him six inches of tow room. The dude is still 13 feet tall. You give him a foot of tow room. And he's still... 12 and a half feet tall. I say he had a bed that was 13 and a half feet long because he needed a bed that was 13 and a half feet long. But guess what God does with 13 and a half foot giants? Psalm 135 and 10, who smote great nations, who slew mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and guess who else? Ah, king of Bashan. And he gave their land to his people for a heritage, even a heritage unto Israel, his people. In other words, bring them seven and a half, 9.7 or 12 and a half feet. It don't matter how big they are. It's the knowledge. It's the revelation. I'm here to preach to somebody today. Your enemy is not too big for you. Yes, sir. 
Your enemy is not too big for you. I don't care how big that giant looks in your life. Your enemy is not too big. Woo! Your enemy is not too big. Your enemy is not too many for Shammah defeated a troop of Philistines. Don't know the number, but one against the troop. I'm betting on the troop. Vegas odds ain't good for Shammah. Abishai in 2 Samuel 23, 18 was down 300 to 1. Got my money on the 300. Judges 3 and verse 31, Shamgar was down 600 to 1. Adino in 2 Samuel 23, 8, he lifted up his spear against 800. The book says whom he slew at one time. 800 to 1. And he goes out and he defeats every one of them with a spear. And if you think a troop is impressive, 300, 600, 800 is impressive. Do you remember the story of Samson when he went out and he was armed physically with nothing but a jawbone of an ass? But Samson said, with a jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass, have I slain 1,000 men. So the point is, if you got the right revelation, if you've got the right knowledge, bring a troop, bring 300, bring 600, bring 800, bring 1,000. Your enemy is not too many. If you've got the right revelation, not only is your enemy not too big, but your enemy is not too big or too many. I want to preach to somebody today. It doesn't matter how surrounded you feel. It doesn't matter how much opposition that you feel like you have in your life. I'm here to preach. Your enemy is not too many for you. You, you have the power. You have the ability through the revelation that you have of the word of God for through knowledge. The righteous shall be delivered. Story was told in the Civil War that this Yankee army came by and they heard off in the distance this rebel soldier shouting insults at them and the Yankee general said, I want one of you guys to go over there and shut this rebel's mouth. They went over and fought a little bit, and pretty soon the rebel soldier come back to the top of the hill and started yelling insults. It really made the general, the Yankee general mad, and so he said, I want about four or five of you boys to go over there, and I want you to shut that rebel's mouth. They went over there. They fought all down behind the hill. A few minutes later, that rebel soldier come climbing back to the top of the hill and started yelling insults again. <clears throat> Finally, the Yankee general said, I want about 25 or 30 of you guys to go over there and you better not come back until you shut that rebel's mouth. They fought all down behind the hill, knocked over trees, the awfulest fight you ever seen in your life. A few minutes later, one of those Yankee soldiers come crawling to the top of the hill, barely alive, rolled over on his back and yelled at his general and said, hey, general, it's a setup. There's two of them.
I preach to you today that no matter how many the devil sends at you, it's a setup. There's two of us. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When the devil thinks he's only fighting you, he isn't just dealing with you. He's dealing with your revelation. And he's dealing with the God of your revelation. I want to preach to you and encourage you today. Your enemy is not too many. You are going to win this battle. Not only is your enemy not too experienced or not too many, not too big, your enemy is not too experienced. In David's case, he was but a youth. His enemy was a man of war from his youth. But guess what? The battle is not David's. He said, The battle is the Lord's. Whoo! He said, The battle is not. Mine, but the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And so David has wisdom. David has knowledge. David has revelation that is greater than his enemy. Your enemy is not too strong. Benai, the son of Jehoiada, the son of, of valid men of Kabzil, had done many acts. He slew two lion-like men of Moab, and he also went down and slew a lion in a pit on a snowy day. You know why he knew these guys were lion-like? Because he had fought a lion. He knows what a lion fights like. And he says, each one of those guys by themselves was like fighting a lion. Two lion-like men of Moab. Why a lion? Because Proverbs 30, 30 says, A lion is strongest among beasts and turneth not away for any. He said, These two boys from Moab, they were bad boys. They were, they were bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when we come for you? They were some mean boys. They were lying, lion-like men. But a child of God, brothers and sisters, amen, went on and slew two lion-like men of Moab. No wonder the Bible says the people that do know their God, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Can I tell you that your knowledge of the word, your knowledge of God, your revelation of his word is going to equip you Amen. To overcome your enemy. It don't matter how big they are, how many they are, how strong they are, how experienced they are. You can win the fight through revelation. We could continue on and on, but let's just make it short with what Jesus said in Luke 10, 19 about our enemies. He said, behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the powers of the enemy. And get this, Nothing shall by any means be able to harm you. No combination of size, number, strength, or experience. Nothing shall by any means be able to harm you. How 
does it feel today to be equipped with the knowledge that makes you indestructible? How does it feel today to have, to have knowledge, that revelation that makes you indestructible? Nothing shall by any means be able to harm you. Jesus said you will tread upon serpents and scorpions. I don't even remember who I'm stealing this from, but I stole it for somebody. And they deserve credit for it. So I'm going to say author unknown. But somebody pointed out, quite anachronistically, but I still like it, that you will tread upon serpents. How does a serpent bite? With his head. He said, but you're also going to overcome scorpions. How does a scorpion bite? With his tail. A serpent bites with his head. A scorpion bites with his tail. Jesus said, heads or tails, you win. <laughs> Either way I go, I'm the victor. Either way I go, I'm the winner. I want to let you know, devil, I'll flip you for it. Heads I win, tails you lose. Because it doesn't matter which way I go. I got the victory uh, over the enemy. I want to preach to somebody today. The devil will not destroy you. The devil is not going to take you down. The devil is not going to defeat you. You've got the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding uh, that gives you the ability uh, to win in the fight. Woo, no weapon, the Bible says, formed against you shall be able to prosper. It will be formed, but it will not prosper. You are in a church that will never be defeated. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Brothers and sisters, the fight is fixed. The victory has already been won and it belongs to you. It's time that the people of God, amen, walk in and know and understand the victory that we have in Christ, the victory that we have in Jesus, amen. It is not the will of God for you to live your life struggling and, and worried and fearful about whether or not you're going to make it, about whether or not you are going to survive, about whether or not you're going to stay in the church can I rebuke the devil on your behalf today and say the devil is a liar you are going to make it you are going to survive you are going to have the victory in the name of Jesus can somebody give God some praise in this room Woo. we are more than conquerors through him that loved us you're either a conqueror or not. What's this more than conqueror stuff? I'm going to show my age because the last boxer that I cared about or even wondered about what they were doing, uh, not exactly true, but the most prominent boxer that I paid attention to growing up was Mike Tyson. <coughs> I know it's a little eerie, but it's, it's, it's true anyway. I mean. But when Mike Tyson got in the ring and got knocked around and hit in the head, 
And he came out the victor, the conqueror. He was a conqueror. But that little lady that was his wife, she got the check. He was a conqueror. She was more than a conqueror. Because she didn't have to fight the fight, but she got the benefit of the battle that was already won. Can I tell you that Jesus defeated your enemy on the cross? He was a conqueror, but we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I want to preach to you today. You do have the victory. You do have what it means and what it takes to overcome in the name of Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. So the question today is, you want me to roll over and surrender to an enemy that cannot defeat me? I got one question for you. Do I look stupid? Because you would have to be stupid to quit in a fight that you cannot lose. You would have to be stupid to surrender to an enemy that cannot defeat you. Devil, you want me to quit praying? I only got one question for you. Do I look stupid? Devil, you mean you want me to lay out of church just because I got other things to do? Only got one question for you. Do I look stupid? You mean, devil, you want me to quit worshiping in the middle of this battle, in the middle of this adversity? I only got one question for you, devil. You must think I'm stupid. Do I look stupid? How many has ever had the devil lie to you before? And I'm at the closing section. You can believe that or not, but I am. I'm getting close. How many has ever had the devil lie to you before? Has the devil ever told you that God does not love you? God don't love you. If, you. if God loved you, you wouldn't be going through what you're going through. And the devil will try to convince you that God doesn't love you. But guess what, devil? I ain't stupid. I've got some revelation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If God don't love me, what was Calvary all about? If God don't love me, what was the cross all about? You must think I'm stupid. I've got some revelation. Have you ever had the devil tell you things are never going to get any better? It's always going to be this way. Well, when the devil tells you that, you need to respond with, do I look stupid? Because I've got revelation that says all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Has the devil ever told you it's not worth it to give? You don't need to give. You can't afford to give. Well, when the devil tells me that, I just respond with, do I look stupid? Because the Bible says give and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And so I'm going to give even when the devil tells me that I shouldn't. Have you ever had the devil tell you that you can't do it? You can't make it. There's no way you'll ever be able to do it. Well, do I look stupid because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
The devil says, I'm going to get you with this one. I'm going to destroy you with this situation. It's too big. It's too powerful. You'll never be able to make it out of this one. You're going to be destroyed in this situation. But I've got a verse of scripture that keeps me from being stupid. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. This one is going to be no different than the last one. I'm equipped with a revelation. I am not stupid. Your prayer is never going to be answered. How many has the devil ever told that one? You may as well quit praying about it. God's never going to answer that prayer. Well, I got a revelation that keeps me from being stupid. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And to him that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. I am not stupid. I am not ignorant. I've got revelation that's going to bring deliverance in my life. You're never going to be happy again. That thing you went through, that loss you experienced, you're never going to have joy. You're never going to be happy again. Well, I've got a verse for you that keeps me from being stupid. Rejoice in that day. And leap for joy. For behold, great is your reward in heaven. And he's talking about when men do all kinds of evil against you, lie on you, tell bad things about you. He said, leap for joy. For behold, great is your reward in heaven. For in like manner also, he said, did their fathers unto the prophets. He said, when everybody's saying everything about you and you feel like your life is over, he said, I want you to leap for joy because you are not the first and you will not be the last that somebody tries to destroy. But you can leap for joy because you got a great reward in heaven. Brothers and sisters, you are going to have joy again. You are going to be happy again. You are going to, my God, have mercy. Now, now there's two ways to look at this verse. What does for mean? For can mean because of. Or for can mean in order to obtain. If your wife sends you to the store for a gallon of milk, she don't send you there because you already have a gallon of milk. That would make you pretty angry. She's sending you there in order to obtain a gallon of milk. But when a judge sends somebody to prison for murder, he doesn't send him there so he can murder. He sends him there because of murder. So when it says leap for joy, what does it mean? Does it mean in order to obtain it? Or does it mean because I already got it? The answer is yes. If you don't have it, you can leap in order to get it. If you already have it, you can leap because you got it. But either way, anybody ought to be able to leap for joy. In other words, devil, I don't care what you're doing in my life. I will have joy again. I will be happy again. I will survive. I will be an overcomer in the name of Jesus. 
Come on, is there a shout of praise in this room today? Is there a shout of joy? Is there a shout of victory in this room? It is because of my revelation in the word of God that I will it is my revelation in the word of God it's going to give me my victory ignorance gives Satan the advantage we are not ignorant of Satan's advices lest Satan should get an advantage your ignorance is Satan's advantage. But Isaiah 5, 13, Therefore my people are going into captivity. Why? Not because their enemy is great. Not because the nation has more weapons and more power than they do. My enemy are going into captivity. Get this. Because they have no knowledge. Not because their enemy is powerful. Not because their enemy is big or numerous. He said my people are going into captivity because they have no knowledge. My lack of knowledge leads to Satan's advantage. My lack of knowledge causes me to go into captivity. And finally, Job 36 says, But if they obey not, get this, they shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without knowledge. They will die without knowledge. At the beginning, your lack of knowledge gives Satan an advantage. If you stay ignorant, your lack of knowledge will lead to your captivity. But if you continue in your ignorance, your lack of knowledge will kill you. It will destroy you. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You will die without knowledge. And my final verse of encouragement to you is 2 Peter 3 in verse number 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You want to grow in grace? Then you've got to grow in something else with it. You've got to grow in knowledge because it is through the knowledge of the Word of God that the grace of God is imparted into your life. Hallelujah. How many want to be delivered? How many want the victory in your life? The only way that happens is through revelation of the word, through knowledge of the word, through walking in the word, through being equipped in the word of God. Amen. What you are doing with this consecration is not just about intellectualism. It is not just about getting theology. In all of its finer points, it is not about being smarter than everyone else. The reason why you are doing this consecration that focuses on the word of God is because God is wanting to impart in you greater victory, greater deliverance, greater hope than you have ever had before in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at 
www.medorachurch.com. Bye.